Morning everyone and welcome to the Fife Property Show this Saturday. Now we have the topic of perfect portfolios this morning, how to maximise the value and magnetism of your rental homes. And joining me this morning, I have landlord and investor, Jim Parker. Morning, Jim. Good morning, how are you? Good, good, how are you? I absolutely wired and fire and ready to go. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> uh, and we've also got Charlotte Caird from Property Management joining us this morning. Morning, Charlotte. Morning. So, yeah, perfect portfolio is a topic you'll be quite passionate about, Jim, obviously, with having yeah, absolutely. a portfolio of your own. Um, so, yeah, lots to talk about this morning. I think it's quite a good topic. Um, and looking at, obviously, how to maximise the value and the magnetism of your rental homes, as it says in the in the title there. Well, you know yourself, it's amazing. It's amazing the number of people that actually don't understand the dynamics of this and mm -hmm. how it works. And the very fact that you're, you know, even though you're a landlord, you're also you're also in sales. Yeah. The reality is you've got to sell what you've got in order to get the best tenant, in order to get the best, you know, the best um, rent. That's what it comes down to. And yeah. this, I would say, is probably a masterclass in the fundamental basics in order to do that. Yeah, I think it's really important to get the basics right. If you've not got the basics right, then the rest of it is just you're you're you're, uh, you're going to struggle to have a very successful vitally a portfolio and I think um, it does look at all of the basics of obviously um, having the, the, the right tenants and the property in the right condition and things as well and they all go hand in hand um, and I think um, when you've got great tenants they, they will they will pay more for beautiful homes um, and homes that are finished correctly um, and you'll see that and um, obviously you will have to look at a lot of the new builds and things now the 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 price banding that's getting set for new build homes at the moment. I think we've mm -hmm. been speaking with a lot of the new developers and things just now and bringing some of them on. And uh, obviously the way the market is at the minute, uh, the pricing the pricing structure and banding on, on that's uh, amazing at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole the holy grail of every buy to let property is continuous occupation, high quality tenants um, with a market leading income and the value of uh, the, the, the year on year increases that you get as a result. None of this happens by itself, really, in the fundamentals. Yeah. And it's it, and, and just with any business, it's a plan of action, the key success. Now, you try to bring me in before, didn't you? And I missed that cue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I've missed something here. Yeah, <laughs> fine. <laughs> I'm even going to adjust my green screen. <laughs> <laughs> I missed a step there, I think. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> so older homes, uh, older homes have an inbuilt advantage as well in the heritage and the character, and many tenants desire. Uh, and, and they can fall. I mean, when you think about it, they can fall behind on modern, energy-efficient lifestyles. However, um, any property really. Uh, can lead to the in, in the way of design um, or, or price, but there's nothing to stop period homes exceeding the income of the new homes. A lot of people go for the period homes, don't they? Yeah, I, I think sometimes even like the period and older like character properties, sometimes they sometimes generate a better um, rental uh, price point than some of the newer homes because people. I mean, if we put period properties on, we get inundated with people. I mean, they're really popular. Um, I'll be interested to what anybody's comments watching this. You know, if you're a if you're a landlord or investor watching this, please feel free to mention this. You know, do do your tenants actually prefer um, a, a, a new build home, a more modern, or do they do they like the fact that the the, the home is more got character to it and is a period property 
yeah. rather than anything. So it's got things like instead of coven, it's got cornice. You know, yes. it's, it's ornate. Um, it's got the high and it's got the high ceiling. Um, Would you come to the fire? Yeah, these sort of things. You know, you've you've got that fire. You've got even got a log burner or something like that. Whereas, you know, modern day to day homes, you know, take all that character out of this. Um, and 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 some people just don't like that. I mean, I've done it myself. I bought a brand new new building within six months. I sold it. It's like yeah. you know, while, while I thought I wanted all the things, I didn't like the clinical the clinical feel of the the home itself. So it was um, it had everything I wanted. The ensuite, it had the double bedrooms, the master bedroom, and the dining room. I had the living room, and I had the breakfast and kitchen. Um, back garden was like a postage stamp because it's a new build. That's what they do, and a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and and the monoboat drive, the integrated garage. Um, garage was a bit tight as well, actually. Um, but I just felt that, and then it was on a, it was on a, I didn't like to say scheme because it is a nice development, um, but people tend to use it that word, um, where it's like you've only got a one meter between each house. They are closely built, the new, the new Yeah, and, and, and even for a rental property, it's like, you know, is this really my home? Um, whereas with character buildings, you know, it's just like they're, they're wonderful. I mean, the classic example is, see, everybody goes on about, oh, is that is that an ex-local authority? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're thinking I'm going to be down on it, and they're down on it, and I'm like, absolutely. And the great thing about ex-local authority is they have massive bedrooms, the double bedrooms. Um, the lounge is good as well, and then the gardens are usually quite big as well. Yeah. Um, so that's what I love about the ex-local authority properties for rental. Yeah, I think because these properties were built in a time where maybe space wasn't as... Um, they weren't so conscious about space and i think now obviously that the new builds are all packed in together and like you say they're built within feet of each other well it's um, built for profit isn't it yeah of it's course, profit yeah. maximization you're not going to get a builder and, and you know i'll you know i take my heart off to them because that's their job that's what they're, they're a business and they've got to provide for the shareholders but but it's profit maximization from every bit of space you can so if you're told in order to get a three a three bedroom property and above you have to have two parking spaces off the front and then you have to have 100 meters of activity space all around the property itself and the footprint. Guess what? Guess what schematic you're going to work to? <laughs> you're yeah. going to work to that exact schematic because that's exactly what you've got. I've done it myself. You know, I put planning permission on a, a plot for three detached three bedroom property. Well, four bedroom because I took the garage away. Mm -hmm. um, four bedroom properties um, on a 600 square meter plot. And I got, I managed to get the plan permission to build more through no bother. Um, and it and it worked, and and that's that's exactly how I know what it is because the footprint itself was only, I think it was only fifty meters square. So when you're looking at two hundred meters plot, I fifty meters square on the footprint, then you've got an upstairs as well. You see, that's the bonus. That's yeah. why you don't get house builders building many bungalows anymore unless they're forced it by planning conditions, because the bungalows take up all the land, and yeah. if they can get away with a footprint and put a bigger property on a smaller footprint they're going to do it it's profit maximization again yeah yeah definitely i think and and in five i think we've got quite a good mix we've got obviously we've got a lot of period properties and properties that date back god hundreds of years sometimes um but then we've also got quite a lot of new build schemes so we've got that we've got that balance between old and new so we kind of deal with both but um i mean in terms of price point you sometimes see the the period older properties um definitely achieve more than some of the new the newer builds so um so whatever the age of your rental property um this 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 shows all about that isn't it really yeah 
Yeah, okay. I mean, whatever age you your your rental property, that's showing that the, the blog that we're, we're taking the information from home today um, guides you on how to create a high quality rental home and keep it as a long term investment. And ultimately, that's your goal when you're looking at buy to let portfolios. Um, and um, if you if you want obviously advice on maximizing the value of your buy to let, then obviously what we're going to talk about today is obviously the best um, thing, like the kind of benchmarks to work towards and things that you need to be following in, in order to have a, a good functioning healthy buy to let portfolio yeah good morning jimmy morning jimmy uh, any questions anybody please feel free to ask them this is your golden opportunity to ask the people in the know you've got a property manager here you've got a lettings director here you've got a property investor here that's been doing this for 30 years at the time at 30 year old so you're going to get this information for free um, yeah. So just bear that in mind. So you've got this golden opportunity to ask any questions about the vitalite market now. Yeah. Okay. So what's the first part, Richard? What's the first part of this equation? I think the first part to look at is, is obviously the property looking the part. And the first steps to attracting the best tenants is to create a rental property that looks brilliant um, on the viewings and in the photos. Um, and you also want your agent's photography on the property to look good. And we've spoken about this in previous uh, shows yeah. and things as well, the importance of your photography and how the property is presented on the um, online listing. And also, obviously, we do a lot of our um, social social uh, media, like walkthroughs and things as well. The property needs to look the part. And I think um, and it also needs to look the part once they get to the point of walking through the door um, and getting that feel for the property and, and having that initial reaction to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no point in making a buy to let uh, sparkle when the images um, look obviously gloomy and kind of like obviously over like shadowy and you need bright obviously uh, inviting pictures um, and so I think if you're using an agent as well and I think if you go on our website and we'll, we'll plan our colours to the mask and you could go on and look at our pictures and I'm sure you'll agree but if you check an agent's website and look at their pictures or how they're advertising other properties before you use them it's a good indicator as to whether and um, they're going to advertise your property properly as well that is a key that is a key when you think about it i mean yeah you do i don't know about you but i i sit and see some listings coming through when i'm trolling through the internet to yeah, look at yeah, the other properties and i'm thinking my god who who thinks it's a great idea once they've got their letting agent to look at these pictures and look at that description the way that property is advertised to think they've got the right person to do the job it's like I I just don't that beggars belief. Yeah. It's like you know, and and is is it a, is it just a like a, an apathy to accept that as a standard? You know, is that what people do? Yeah, you yeah. kind of you, you scroll across some. Sometimes you're thinking, was this taken with like a ancient Nokia thirty three ten? You can't see anything, and it's so dark and gloomy, and off. Some of them are absolutely awful. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Sometimes I think they've employed their kids to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, photography is <laughs> a big thing. And it's all very well. It's all very well employing your kids to do it. And yeah, look, I've got wee wee Patrick out here, and he's nothing against Patrick, by the way. <laughs> I've got wee Patrick. That was just a name in my head. Patrick out here, and he's taking photographs today with me. And everybody goes, "Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic." But when you when you when you look at the pictures, you think, "Wee Patrick shouldn't be taking the pictures." I couldn't care less if it's if it's great for his morale and his self esteem. But the reality is, this is a this is a this is the one of the biggest tax-free assets your investor has. This has got their life's income in it, and they rely on that income as well. They want to get the best quality tenant. They want to maximise the rental, and and that's the reality. So why on earth would you put 
crappy photos on. Yeah. All dark and dingy, like you said, Charlotte. No, you know, nothing, nothing overwhelming about it at all, mostly underwhelming in the whole process. And I was gonna say that obviously, I mean, a buy to let portfolio is of course it's somebody's business, it's how they're they're generating income. So you you really need to think about it um carefully and advertising the property wrong, you're getting off on the wrong foot straight away. And it's obviously going to affect how you rent the property if you're going to get the right tenant who's going to pay yeah. obviously um pay a good rent and it's so you need to you need to obviously get off on the right foot and i think photography is right up there at the beginning um and there is there's a few simple steps to take in photography correctly i mean obviously it's not something that you just pick up the camera and do straight away you need to obviously it's all about angle and 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 what uh, and obviously light and things like that as well which obviously somebody who's got experience in doing that i mean not to be obviously kind of thing but i could walk into a property and take listing pictures quite quickly and quite easily because i've done it for years but somebody that doesn't obviously have that experience maybe kind of walk into a property and do it like that and, and maybe have the same effect um so it is really important to have the right agent that could do that um yeah. and i think even though and, and whether it's for rent or for sale your photos need to be right because like you say jim it's either a business or your biggest tax-free asset that you're trying to obviously advertise there um and that needs to be done right and you need to get the right agent to do that mm. Um, I mean, it can be trickier to do um, pictures for a property for rent than it is for sale, because obviously rental properties are, are empty. They've not got any furnishings in them. They've not got that lived-in feeling. Um, so obviously you need to then be aware of like the things like uh, utilising the light and, and the angle, how, how you do that. Yeah. It's all, it's all about cost as well, though, Richard. I mean, the reality is for, when a property is for sale, there's a lot more investment at the beginning that goes into oh, of course, it, whereas yeah. when a property is for rent, landlords just don't want to pay that type of money yeah but we yeah, have obviously. to be we have to be very flexible and we have to be very ingenious in how we do photographs in a cost-effective manner in order yeah. to make that work in order to make that profitable to, to a degree or you'll be a you'll be a busy fool mm -hmm. yeah definitely um i think as well obviously as i, as I go back to obviously pictures of a rental property uh, because you don't have furnishings in there, there's easy ways to try and, try and obviously make it feel more homely and give that feel when you're doing pictures. And, and whether that's accessorising slightly with obviously window covers um, or obviously the lighting, like I say. Um, and obviously the um, the the way that the, the property is uh, obviously portrayed in the pictures, obviously on the listing, is very important. Um, and I think it comes down to um, also the... The way the, the property is finished off, I think obviously there's a lot of finishings in the property which could be quite um, prominent in pictures and also in viewings as well. Um, and I think obviously the, the colour schemes and, and uh, certain items that are in the property as well will have that effect, especially in pictures and, and, and uh, of course when you're viewing the property. Well, what about kitchens? Yeah, yeah, what I think obviously like the kitchens and the fixtures and the fittings um, are, are important. I mean, obviously dark brown obviously hobs and scaly taps and things as well yeah. are, are not going to look good in pictures um, and they will get picked up um, and then to walk in and do a viewing and see these things as well aren't they going to look a, a, a very good and they're so inexpensive to swap out and make better um, you don't have to you know, put you know, what be, you know what would be really great if you had smelly vision <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you think about it imagine if you had smelly vision over the internet before you actually came to view a house that would totally change the market, wouldn't it? Because yeah. a lot of people actually don't 
you know, the, the photographs look wonderful, but when you walk in the door, I've never had that case where somebody says the photographs look amazing, but when I walked in the door, this was a completely different experience. Yeah. I've never had somebody say that because the photographs reflect what we've got. And yeah. and and the smelly vision thing, it's like, you know, it's all about making sure that you entice people to want to stay there. I always say to myself, if if I walk in the door and I think I would love to stay here, that's the exact rental property yeah. I should I, I would be renting. You have yeah. to fall in love. Sarah Beanie talks about it. Mm-hmm. You know, Sarah Beanie talked about it years ago. And I always used to wonder, how's my property no renting? How's my property no renting? Now, this was about 20 years ago. And I remember Sarah Beanie on one of our programs talk about it. She says, unless you're in love with the property yourself, no one else is going to like it. Yeah. You, because you, then become, yeah. you then become jaded about it. You don't want to invest in it. Yeah, but you don't realise you're doing that. It becomes a secondary aspect. So you don't want to refurb it. You don't want to put new carpets in it. You don't want to clean it. You don't want to paint it either. Uh, and yeah. it goes back to what you say. It's, it's, it just doesn't look the part. Although in their mind, they're like, I just want it rented. And it's like, well, I'm afraid you're going to have to do this, this, and that. Yeah. Get that good quality tenant that you want. And if you don't do that, you're not going to get the, the tenant you want. And to be honest, should we be representing you? That's what it comes down to. Yeah. But the, the smell of vision thing, like you say, is that's quite important. And I think when you do um, when you do work to a property and bring it around, like they say, if you're obviously redecorating new floors, new kitchens, and they look it looks really good in the pictures, it goes hand in hand with the people walking through the door and smelling the fresh paint and even smelling like fresh wood and, and like new new units and and just all that kind of uh, contributes to the whole experience of walking into yeah. a nice property and and that gives that feeling like oh I could live here or I want to live here. Um, yeah. And you need to have that feeling yourself, not just uh, obviously trying to get the tenant to feel that. And as if by magic, I brought one here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is one that we just done recently for you. And the normal recourse of Blue Peter. This is 12 Memorial <laughs> Road. So I, what, I think I bought this for about, um, what was it, 38,000? So I bought this for 38,000, two bedroom ex local authority flat. Um, so this is the outside originally. Now, to be honest, it was a we these photographs are ours as well. So both both sets are our photographs, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you know, it's what it looks like inside is most important. So then we refurbed it. Yeah. Um, so in, in the front door, in the front gate here, I had a path going up the side here. Now the back garden's there, the side garden's there, and then you go upstairs to this upper flat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and here it is here. Here's the typical ex-local authority two-bedroom flat, two double bedrooms. You've got your bathroom, you've got your kitchen, you've got your lounge. So there's the after. So you know that's the photograph you took, Richard. Absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful, blue skies. Really there's the thing. sitting room before. There's the sitting room after. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all. And you can see obviously the. The neutral tones, the, these these greys and things, which are really modern and obviously up to up to date feel. So the little things too, like on the the next photo that you just had, Jim, on the door, oh. it's chrome handles. You can see yeah. that it's next to you chrome handles. And then the doors as well. I actually they changed all the doors as well because I felt that you know the door. I mean, some of these doors are terrible. It's just they didn't look great, so we changed yeah, them all. The new heating system was put in as well, rewired all the rest of it. Double glazing was the change because I had double glazing already. But yeah, just, just you know, to make it the part. And then we jump onto the kitchen. This was the kitchen before. So the boiler was sitting in this cupboard. This was an old um, old water, water tank in here. Um, and then you had all this layer and a wee breakfast bar over here. Um, and then there's the new kitchen now. Yeah. Completely That's different. Metro-style yeah. tiles, splashbacks, brand new. 
um, and then the boiler's in here, and then that is covered was taken away here. Yeah. So you've got the the overhead um, stainless steel extractor as well. And then this is just a this is I, I kind of remember this is laminate flown or this is vinyl flown. That that is the new UPVC clip laminate. All ah, right. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's nice. It's quite and good. It's quite durable as well. The, also, you kept the um, the breakfast bar there as well, so you've got room for. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 well, I, I just let the I just let them do their own thing. You yeah. know that's the reality. You know the 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 contractor went in and says, look, this is you know we'll replicate that, but we think it should be like this. Um, and then you've got the bedroom. Yeah. That's the original bedroom. There's the new bedroom. Yeah. And then you've got the bathroom. And there's the new bathroom. Yeah. Did look at that bathroom and see if there was just and it ended up just being a complete refit. But look at the look at the finish. Yeah, I mean, you can get away with that. Uh, you could have got away with that because it's look, the inset sink with the cupboard and all the rest of it. But again, yeah, it's quite dated. Um, well, this in order to get the best rent and get the best tenant, um, you know, you kind of have to put a wee bit of improvement into it. Uh, you were going to say something, Charlotte? Yeah, in the design of this bathroom too, you'll notice just now on this photo, the shower, you can't have an um, over-the-head shower yes. because of where the window was. So the designer of the bathroom came up with a plan to be able to move the actual whole shower unit over into a coffin-shaped style bath to be able to have that overhead shower fitted. Yeah, yeah you've seen how the bath... It has that slight yeah. incline in there yeah. mm -hmm. in order to make sure because that width wasn't enough for a standard bath to go in. Yeah. So they yeah. actually got a purpose-designed bath to do that so they can get the overhead shower in. Um, and again, these doors. And, and then Those the flooring and then the wet wall all the way around. I, I love that sparkle wet wall. Yeah. Those doors, they are no more expensive than your normal flat wooden doors. They're the exact same price yeah. and it completely you'd, changes the finish of them. You'd be amazed at the feedback we got just on those doors and with the chrome handles. Everybody loved them. Everybody commented on when they were doing viewings. Yeah. 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 Right. So new, new valuation for that flat from 38,000 to 75,000. Yeah. Makes sense, doesn't it? So then originally, initially, what you would do is you've refurb the refurb difference as well. You would they pull the money back out and you put it on a buy-to-let uh, mortgage and you possibly have a no money down deal. So you yeah. own the flat, it appreciates in value and you get money out as well. So that's a classic example of how to use none of your own money to do the job. I'll say that yeah. again. That's a classic example of how to use none of your own money to do the job. And if you want to know more about that, you need to ask us. <laughs> And we might do a masterclass on that as well if everybody's if that's in demand. Anyway, um, okay, so next thing, Richard, what, what are we I talking think, about next? What's the next thing what in we need, process? What we need to speak about next is obviously reading really well. And, and uh, when I say that, I speak about the, the descriptions and the summary for uh, property. And, and obviously, let's take this, um, this rental property, for example. Now, obviously, I think your leading summary is something that you need to catch somebody's attention, and especially the first the first line of that. Uh, just Jimmy's saying, how long did that take to rent there? Jimmy, we, we let that, oh, it was on the market, we done a block, a small block of viewings, and it was let within a matter of days, a week or so. I mean, it did not sit long. What was the rent we got on that? Uh, eventually we got 475 for that, um, yeah. which is typically what kind of, the, 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 better, the better standard, the two bed flats in that area are kind of achieving yeah. it. Um, I done one round of Barry Street that was finished to quite a good standard, and I got four seven five as well. So we're kind of that, that kind of price point at the minute. 
Uh, but yeah, back to descriptions and how they need to be, obviously. Um, obviously, really, and the they need to be scripted correctly to kind of catch people's attention um, without kind of deviating from what um, you're trying to get across. I mean, a lot of a lot of people could use this first line for um, I don't know a number of things when really it should be this is what like like the one at Memorial Road. The very first words in that I think were newly renovated, and I think I put them in capitals because it's the main thing that you yeah. want to obviously get out there. Um, and I think to pick up on a lot of the um, the key features in the, the in a property, especially if they're just being newly newly renovated, are, are things that are going to catch people's attention. Because um, a lot of the times people do scroll through, scroll through and pictures will catch their attention, and then the first line of that summer, summary, they probably didn't even read the whole the whole initial lead in. Um, so yeah, your first line is important, and I think it needs to use keywords or, or, or key phrases that uh, relate to the property itself, like I say, newly renovated or um, or something to that effect. It has to be really, doesn't it? It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's got to catch somebody's attention straight away. You know that yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when you're, think about it in your process. When you're looking at something and you're scrolling through a list of a number of choices, what's going to, what's going to disrupt you up here to mm -hmm. say, that's the one for me? It's it, it has to be a wow factor, and it, so it has to be something that's outstanding. It has to be something that will catch your eye, and you're absolutely right, Richard. If it's newly renovated, then absolutely, completely renovated, yeah. um, new to, to move in. People want new when they want rental because they realise it's like, well, great, I'm, I'm a person that will look after the. This is the key here, because they go, I'm a person that will look after this property. So then if I look after this property and if it's new, it will always be new for me. Yeah. And that's who you attract a tenant, it will look after your property. If you if you show, forgive my French here, a shitty property <laughs> online and it's running, it's run down, and when they walk in the door, the smelly vision is obvious. Yeah. Um, then guess what they're going to think? Like I'm a person that could probably just treat this property exactly the same as it is before. So there's no surprise when you get to the end of that that there's a contest over who gets the deposit. Yeah. Yeah, that that is going to be the case at the end because obviously they are going to be. Well, it was like that when I moved in. It was like that when I moved in. Whereas if you've got something that's finished to a good standard, you've got a good inventory in place, you're not going to have that issue. Um, and that's things that you didn't really want to be dealing with. Whether you're an agent or you're an, an investor landlord, um, then these are the things that are easily avoided and, and could be managed correctly. Um, but yeah, back to we've written, we've written here about make a list of the features and benefits of your property. Tell your agent about them. But the reality is your agent should be doing that, shouldn't they? Yeah, well, I was just about to say, obviously, and, and it does say there, obviously, I think one of the main things I do when I walk in, I think, right, I'm going to do a description on this property, is I list all the main features for it and, and what I think, right, these are all the key things I'm going to put in the, in the description. And it doesn't have to be long, a description, it just it needs to be good. And I think you need to pick out all the main features that are going to grasp, grab people's attention. Um, years and years of practice and understanding what ticks somebody's box, isn't it, Richard? I mean, yeah, how long have you been doing this? Probably over 10 years now? Yeah, the 12 years next year. Yeah. So yeah. it's understanding and it's that experience that people are buying and what you do. Um, yeah. That's really what it comes down to because you understand that dynamic. Whereas somebody that started a year ago, it's like has no idea about how the market responds to that type to certain types of properties. And they don't have the experience in order to in order to put that forward to get the best quality tenant and get the best rent as well. That's yeah. what it comes down to. It's 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 Again, it's it's like a state agency. Not all estate agents are the same, but not all letting agents are the same. 
you know, letting agencies, you know, you'd be surprised how people just think that you should just put it on a, a website. Yeah, yeah, I'm on a website. And it's like, I'm going to get the best tenant ever. You're, you're probably not going to attract the best tenant because you've not got the best type of marketing or branding yeah. or whatever it is that's on it. I mean, classic example, right? Okay, let's look at the extreme. If you go for a property from Savills or you go for a property from a property, the same property with the cheapest bargain basement letting agent, who do you think is going to provide the better property, even though it's the same property? It's mine, yeah. isn't it? Straight yeah. away, you think, oh, Savills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, that's a classic example. So so when you think about it, the dynamic in your mind, is, is the only thing that's changed is the fact that who's marketing it, it's exactly the same property. But just by two different names, you know, or two different impressions of, of the agent, you have a, two different types of tenants that will probably actually be attracted to that that property. So it is a case that you put your property with the people that understand and people are the best in the area. And, you know, there's no doubt about it. We're, you know, we're silver awards for the best letting agent. We've been the best letting agent in Fife for, since 2009. Yeah. Think so when, from, nobody out there that can challenge us. <laughs> well, that's it for me as well. From past experience, before I bought my property renting, I found a property that I thought I'd fallen in love with and then I seen who it was on with and I just, no, I'm not even going to apply for it um, because of reputation. Yeah. Alicia says that very well. Shows the importance of preserving the reputation of your brand. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, just, just to finish off on descriptions and things there, um, obviously, I think the, uh, the, the terminology and things that you use Obviously, in there, um, I mean, it's easy to do a description that's obviously location and, and what's nearby and things like that, which are all standard and anybody would know to do that. But I think picking up things on maybe clever storage and, and uh, maybe concealed lighting and audio wire and, and all these kind of modcon things as well um, that will appeal to, to potential tenants are things that you need to um, definitely pick out on uh, descriptions and summaries. Um, I'll just sneak peek at what's coming later. Just going to see the gym a little bit early. Wait till we get to the numbers. So yeah, I, th those are all things that I think you really need to capitalise on and make make good use of when doing descriptions. But I think the next thing to think about is obviously about that right feeling, um, and especially when you've got viewers coming through the door. I mean, uh, photos and descriptions can show how a home looks and uh, talk about the features, but they can't convey how it feels. Uh, only viewings can do that and as well as an emotional connection tenants develop uh, a tactile impression from opening the door and turning the taps and walking on floors um very little escapes obviously um and and it is about that, an experience i mean walking through the door i mean i, I imagine the vast majority of us have viewed a property whether that be for let or for sale and you know as yeah. soon as you walk in the door i mean and it's like even if you're for turning the handles to like if you've got creaky floors and like the smell of vision thing jim's uh, really like that's that's really a big thing as well the I mean, handles are screwed into the doors properly yeah oh that's annoying that's and and then then got the strips and the laminate flooring you know yeah. you've just got the decayed bit and it's it's bending up just that wee bit and it's like oh this is pathetic just flatten it out and put lino right on the top of it yeah so don't lift it just flatten it out put a, put a bit of good vinyl good quality vinyl on top of it because you've got a perfect uh, perfect grounding for it yeah i mean loose tiles lifting timbers and laminate floors and thread bearing carpets can really bring a property down 
and it makes uh, it makes sense to seem it makes them seem worse. And likewise, handrails and hooks and switches and knobs that are coming loose, uh, poorly fitted or worn out, will create an impression of a neglected home, basically. And and if you walk in and all these wee niggling points, you're like, nobody cares about this, or nobody. And and so why would you move into somewhere or want to live somewhere that you feel like nobody's cared about before and nobody's going to care about it in the future? So how are you going to ever? Have these have these things rectified and and, and make it a home yourself. Yeah, um, I mean you do you do inspections, don't you, Charlotte? So you see that. Yeah, do you know what? It's sometimes the smallest of things, like somebody's just moved in, but their cupboard doors on their kitchen are wobbly and slightly loose. Yeah. It takes two seconds with a screwdriver just to tighten them up, mm. and it makes such a difference to the tenant. It makes them feel like you're doing something. Um, but not even that. On even not even including on inspections but even when viewing a property like you say with the smell of vision it's as simple as going to a pound shop and picking up a couple of pound um room yeah. sets and putting them about the rooms yeah, yeah just to, just to give it that initial smell and and, and and it's good advice for any any landlord um uh, to actually carry a wee toolkit in their book in their in their book it's something I used to do for years and years and years, and something I don't do anymore because you guys look after everything for me. Incidentally, I was talking to a very successful um, landlord. I would call him. He's not an investor because by what he's talking to him about yesterday, and and he said, you know, he said, hey, oh, what are you planning? I went, well, I'm looking for another fifty properties. I went, what? 50 properties? He says, that's just a headache. He says, imagine all the insurance and all the hassle and all the repair. And I went, wait a minute, I've got somebody else to do that. And he went, what do you mean? I said, well, I didn't do it. It's like, I've never done it for years. <laughs> I says, why on earth would I do all that myself? He said, and it's almost like he didn't comprehend. And he said, oh, I'm just quite happy with my 12 properties. And I thought, geez, and that's it. That's his limited thinking. And I thought that, that's a, you know, in my mind, I thought this was a really successful guy at what he was doing. And it's like, you know, it's like his limited thinking actually led him to that uh, conclusion that the fact that he, he didn't realise uh, somebody else could actually look after it for him. Yeah. So it's it's crazy when you think about it. I mean, this guy, um, he could I know what he could earn and what he does the now, right? So he's running around fixing taps and inspecting properties and, 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 and taking care of things that you guys could take care of for effectively two pounds a day per yeah. property. Um and 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 I think your time should be spent on earning money at what you're really good at and earn all that money and pay somebody else to do the differential. I always keep saying it. You know, the, the sublime is if you can earn 50 quid an hour and you're paying somebody 20 quid an hour, why would you be trying to do the job at 20 quid an hour if you've need time? Because then you go and earn the 50, pay them the 20, and you're still making 30 as a differential. So it I mean, makes absolute just, sense to get a letting agent to look after it and get the right person. Yeah, James yeah, says it itself. You know, outsource, outsource as much as you can. Yeah. That's the reality. You know, what I mean, watch this space, to be honest. You know, James is going to be a meteorite rise at some, you know, yeah. he's, he's on his way and he's, he's building the right foundations. I could tell you that for a start. And he understands the dynamics. It's when you get to a tipping point, it's like you, you then stop and you think, oh, my God, look what's coming in. <laughs> It's like, yeah. I, I got that when I left um, ESA Macintosh. You know, when I retired at ESA Macintosh about 16 years ago now, it's like I left and then thought to myself, geez, I, I, I just can't ever, because I, I never ever looked at it until I, I retired. Then I looked at it and I thought, wow, I've got that coming in every month. <laughs> and then I've got the property appreciating every month, every year as well. That's, I mean, that's, that. and then when you think about it, you've got a letting agent doing it, you've got no involvement in it. I'll go back to the thing. If you've got a five million pound portfolio, 
right? And property prices go up 20% in the next four years. You've made a million quid. Who wants to be paid 250,000 a year for sitting to be paid to wait? Uh, me. <laughs> Hello? But on a smaller scale, think about it as well. You know, what would that mean to you? An extra 25,000 just in appreciation of property a year. That's amazing when you think about the concept of that. Best asset class ever. And, and I'll let you get on me show, Richard. Sorry. I was, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was getting carried away there. I'll talk yeah, about it. <laughs> just, to, just to touch on what you say is a bit obviously this, and this landlord investor that you knew that's got the 12 properties. I mean, to outsource that would give him back so much time, so much of his own time. And I think you can't really even put a price Doesn't on that. It? And I call it broke thinking. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. uh, and I, I keep going on about, <laughs> and I mean, you know, rich people look at money in abundance so they can get money whenever they need to because it's out there. Money is in abundance. It's out there. The banks are throwing money at left, right and centre. So yeah. money is there if you want it. Um, uh, the, the less rich people, in other words, the poorer people, end, tend to look at money in scarcity. It's like, I need to keep it and I need every penny I've got. And it's like, oh my God, and it's going to run out tomorrow. And it's like, no, it's all out there. You've just got to understand it and the, 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 the principles it. That's right. I think time is more expensive than money. So why why waste your time doing it yourself if you can have somebody do it for you? You know, it doesn't make sense yeah. to me. James says 12 would be my financial freedom. James, think bigger. bigger. <laughs> okay, 120. That's where you're thinking. Okay, 120. And I know you might not reach it, but I tell you what, you'll get a hell of a lot more than 12 if you focus on 120 because your mind will work to that principle and everything will start to go in your head when you're sleeping and stuff like that in order to make that happen. Um, I wish I'd never I, I wish I'd never sung the Muffin Man song last night. <laughs> it was in my head all last night when I went to sleep and it was in my head all this morning when I went up to sleep, when I go up. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. That's it. That, we digress on a different story, so just forget that bit, everybody. Uh, but yeah, ju just to to jump back to obviously uh, viewings and the impression uh, that you get on a viewing, and all these all these minor things that contribute to that whole experience, and and obviously minor repairs that can be fixed. I mean, all of these can be very easily changed, and you get the best tenants and the best rent when your vitalet feels good, as good in person as it looks in the photos. It's all about reinforcing enthusiasm and excitement of your viewers with a home that's even better than they expected. And then I think we'll look at obviously getting price-wise and obviously um, price point of rentals. And uh, most new inquiries come from property portals and they list homes and price bands that display monthly rents. Um, it does go on here to speak there about how many landlords work on a per week basis. Now that's- uh, That's right. You know, so down south, obviously, the, the yeah. rents are now astronomical. They're like 6,000 pound a month. So yeah. what they do is they do the sneaky thing like the the petrol stations have done you know mm -hmm. instead of your uh, your liter your gallon of petrol is six pound 40 it is now one pound 41 per liter mm -hmm. and so it makes it more palatable for everybody and it doesn't make it doesn't make everybody run for the hills um so that's exactly what they do down south they do weekly rents rather than monthly rents we're still in the monthly rents up here where we're you know it's it, it's still a great return in terms of the, the price of the property and as i'll show you in, in a wee minute but but we still use monthly rents because they're still palatable for people. It's, it, the monthly rents is probably equivalent to paying a mortgage anyway. But yeah. the thing is, the monthly rents takes into account the fact that somebody else is looking after the property, somebody else is paying for your heating if it breaks down, somebody else is paying for any repairs if it, it, get, it needs done. So that's the fundamental difference. So, uh, you know, when people say, oh, I, you know, money's just burning it, you know, money, renting is just burning money. 
It's not. It's it's it, there's certain people that rent for a certain purpose for flexibility for mobility of labour. Um, they can't get a mortgage because of their credit rating, um, and they don't have the deposit or anything like that. So that's that's why people predominantly rent, um, or they are on hard times and they just can't they can't rent at all. So they need state help. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think landlords as well sometimes get such a bad rep by saying, oh, they're just wanting to money grab. But what people don't understand, if it wasn't for landlords, yeah. what would happen? Because there's no social housing just now. So if no, it wasn't nothing. for landlords, then... And the government's going to have to get their finger out and actually plead us to come back and start buying more property because there's only 41 properties for available for rent right throughout Fife right now. Yeah. And it was 92 months ago, it was halved. And then before that, even 90 was too little. So there's, there's nothing. If you've got, a, listen, if you've got an empty property out there and you don't know what you're wanting to do with it, please contact us. We will be doing a campaign reaching out to you to yeah. come to you to say, you need to speak to us. We'll get your property back into a shape where you're able to rent it. And therefore, you make an income out of it. We'll make an income out and everybody will be happy because someday we'll have a home. It didn't have it before. And all because we made, we made sure you, we brought an empty home back into use. And yeah. as well, people, I think people that have empty homes that are like, oh, but it needs so much work. But it doesn't have to be like astronomical prices to bring it back to a condition yeah. where you where you could rent it out to somebody. We could show them how to do it. There's a, there's grants available as well in certain places in order to do that. The empty Homes Initiative used to run years and years ago, which we used to be in conjunction with the council, um, where they actually did a 50-50 um, uh, contribution. So you paid 50%, they paid 50%, and we got an empty home. It had been empty maybe for about six more than six months back into use because it was the only way to get back into use, but you couldn't afford it. But with that extra help, you could get it back in, and you were you were to rent it at an affordable rent, which was fine. Which is the which is the local authority um, universal credit rents uh, rents yeah. monthly. So you know a typical what is it a, a two bedroom just now? The universal credit is uh, four seven five four seven three four seven three. So a one bedroom is what. Three, three, seven, five, or three, seven, four. Three, seven, five, four, four, three, seven, four. So a one-bedroom flat, in terms of the government's, um, yeah, the rent assessor, and uh, should be getting at least three, seven, four. Two-bedroom flat or a two-bedroom property should be getting at least four, four seven, seven uh, four, seven, four. Yeah, or thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, three bedrooms. I think they're up at three fifty, no. uh, five fifty or something. Five fifty something, yes. Five fifty-seven, I think it is. Um, so these are the standard rents that the government approves as affordable rents. Um, so again, I come back saying if they're going to be putting rent caps on that, they're not going to be putting less than that. So no. if you're renting at that level as well, you should be okay. The rent cap shouldn't affect you. Yeah. The thing is, if you've got a property sitting there, would you rather have somebody living in it and earning yourself three hundred and seventy-five pound a month? Been earning nothing. It's it's just the mentality. It's the hassle factor in people's minds. It's like I've got all these things to do. I've got a mountain to climb. Plus, I've got everything else I've got to do day to day because people have busy lives. So That's let us weakness. look at your property and let us take that problem away from you and help you get that back into use. Yeah, I think that's, and a, then... that's a social responsibility for today. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing empty homes back into use. Yeah, I think looking at price uh, price banding and obviously price point as well. Uh, there's things you could do to slightly tweak them, uh, obviously, to try and generate traction through the, obviously, the portals and things as well um, by setting like your monthly rent. Uh, so it sits at a meeting point uh, between two price bands, where, which means that the property will now appear among two 
uh, obviously people look within their price limits. So if you, if you set it at a meeting point between price bands, it means the property will appear among the, the between the, the very first listings um, of both, uh, potentially doubling your audience, which is, is, is quite a good tactic as well, obviously, if the price point is mm -hmm. right. Um, I do for saying there he's hoping to turn the beaches around in four weeks and, handed, and, and, and once it's handed over. Um, yes. Um, new kitchen, new bathroom, better redecorating. Um, beaches are, the beaches are a popular area as well. Um, if you can, uh, James, if you're in the process of buying it, my suggestion would be conclude the missive as quick as possible based on the principle that you can get into refurb it before you actually get the keys. Use someone else's financing in order to refurb the property because they've got ownership of it. And then you then take uh, see if you can get to take people around as well at the same time to show them the property, <laughs> and therefore you've got a tenant to move in from the day you actually get the keys. Well, hey, yeah. But yeah, the beaches is a good area, so it'll be popular. Yeah. Um, and like I say, obviously, well, like you said, Jim, I done a vlog yesterday on the amount of rental properties available in Fife, and it's 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 scary. Yeah, there's just hardly anything there and we've still got that demand and it is like a bit of a broken down record i said that yesterday it's high demand and low stock at the minute and it's just the way it is but um that's it's, it's always been like, there's never been a time where i've thought oh this rental market's struggling over the last no. 30 years I've, well, I've never experienced that, and everybody used to tell me that all the time and i never used to believe it that, that i think my greatest i think my greatest benefit was the fact that i didn't used to listen to a lot of other people and what they said um, I, I used to have to learn a lot of things myself. So I would often learn things um, that would actually would actually be a lot better than what the current existing status quo would be. Um, so I was quite fortunate that way. Whereas now there's preconceived ideas about how things work and how things are done. And and a lot of people actually follow that model and they don't understand that actually you can, you can, you can get a lot more than that as well. Um, uh, uh, you know, the classic example is just what I said just now, and, uh, and James says, actually, I might need to work that out, but, but the reality is, yes, you can do that. I've been doing that for years. Yeah. You just include the missives on the principle that, you know, you're definitely buying it, but can you get in to do the refurb while you're actually, in, in the show tenants round while you're actually doing it? Yeah. Yeah, and then I think, obviously, just to obviously wrap up on, obviously, price banding and things as well, um, if obviously you're unsure about um, what kind of monthly rent you're buy uh, on uh, your buy to let, so obviously speak to us um, and we could obviously advise you on that and where the best price point is. But you're looking in. at price banding as well, Richard. I mean, you know, you know yourself. Um, sometimes a lot of people actually say, "Oh, I'm wanting, I'm wanting 500," and it's like, no, no. If you listen, if you put it at 490, you'll get the right tenant. Yeah. You'll, get a, a, you'll, you'll get a better quality tenant because the 500 in the mind. Now, it works differently in the sales market, but in the in the rental market, it's still the 99 pence mentality. Yeah. You know, like 99 pence is better than a pound. Um, so the 490 as opposed to 500 is a lot better. Now, you're losing 10 pounds for that principle. But but when you think about the logic, if you get the right tenant and you get them quicker, say you get them a month quicker, which is usually what happens, yeah. sometimes get somebody a month quicker, You've got 490 pounds extra because you've got that month extra. Now, if it's 10 pounds a month you've sacrificed, it's going to take you 49 months yeah. to get that back. Now, 49 months is four years. So if the tenants were you for four years, you that's that, that's the break-even point, is the fact that you've sacrificed 10 pounds. Yeah. So why would you not do it? Because if they move out in three years, you're quids in. You're better mm -hmm. off because you got them in a month earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we We'll sometimes list, and I'll, I'll do like four nine five, or, or, or like you say, obviously a four ninety, 
Um, and it is that kind of nine nine pence mentality. Maybe we, should, maybe we should disrupt people and say four hundred ninety five pound ninety nine pence. Just to get people talking, because it's like nobody, never anybody seen everybody do that. But just to put on four hundred ninety five pound ninety five ninety five pence or something like that as the monthly yeah. rent. I think as well, people, when people are searching for properties, if they have like the maximum of 500, they sometimes don't want to go all the way up to that maximum. So if one's over 495, they're like, oh, it's below, it's below. Yeah. yeah. Get it. And that, that small difference could be could be the the, the deciding factor or or, or the, the reason that, or the, the factor that brings that in front of them on their search. Um, so you need to be careful when you're doing that. Um, so yeah, but then let's move on to looking at being obviously hands-on uh, and once you've found a high quality tenant, uh, the real story begins. And when they move in, how you look after them and the property has a huge impact on the profitability of your buy to let. And a, a plan of continued maintenance will avoid unnecessary turnover of tenants and loss making voids, which is crucial when you're obviously trying to run a buy to let. Um, taking the time to visit the property every three to six months will not only identify any minor repairs or niggles, it will keep your relationship with your tenant fresh, friendly and full of trust. It's an easily forgotten part of being a landlord, um, but it's absolutely worth the effort. Um, and Charlotte, I'm sure you'll, you'll agree to that fact um, about building relationships and, and being present um, yeah. in connections and things as well. I think one exactly that comes to mind, she's one tenant's had like a really bad experience before and there's now she's there with us and there's been a couple of issues and she came in kind of headstrong about it um, and then all it took one conversation with her to kind of just like mellow her out and build that that relationship with her so now she could phone me if anything's wrong with her she could phone me and not feel like she's hitting her head against a brick wall yeah um, i think that's a massive thing like you need to have a relationship with your tenants yeah i mean i was hands-on for the first 20 years and i tell you what um you know, it's it, it sounds nice, and you make it sound nice here by just reading that out. To be honest, but hands-on is not for the faint-hearted. You're mm -hmm. literally a social worker <laughs> no. in terms of what you're doing. So let me explain to you what my day used to be like. I would get up at probably about five o'clock in the morning because I had to get my paperwork together for somebody moving in. I would then go to my work as a financial controller um, in manufacturing, round about seven o'clock, in order to well, I managed to fit my breakfast in between. Maybe sometimes I didn't. Uh, at seven o'clock in order to make sure I had everything together for the start of the day because the management director and the sales director needed all the information necessary to do that. I then work all the day through. I'd be, I'd be fielding calls. I would have to trade some of my time for uh, a fielded calls for, for my buy-to-let business because at that time I had 30 properties for my buy-to-let business and people were phoning me now and again about, you know, leaky radiators, about, about their claim didn't go through. I then had to find the opportunities in order to, to chase the rent as well um, during the day. So I had to trade some of my time. So what I was doing was um, when I knew it took me an hour or two hours, my, my, my financial director was really sympathetic towards me because I taught him how to make a fortune. Um, and, and to be honest, he was so he was like, do anything you want, Jim, um, just as long as your job's done properly. So then what I did was an hour here and there, I then collated all that together and says, look, that's eight hours I've used during that time. So I'll just trade that for one of my holidays. So I just traded my holidays for the time that I did in my buy to let business. When I had to go and view a property and it had to be during the day, I would then say, um, any chance I can get maybe an hour or half an hour, one and a half hours off to pop home from Kirkcaldy to leaving and back just to view a property. And he went, that's fine. And I would trade that time as well. So 
I was able to do my job. I was able to do that as well. And then when I got home at night, I would then have to get my, my, my tea quickly. Sometimes I wouldn't. I would just get my overalls on. I'd get my paint and stuff and I would jump in my car and I'd go around and start painting and decorating one of my properties and putting the carpets down as well. And fitting the kitchen and fitting the bathroom and doing the plumbing. Um, I didn't do the electrics because obviously that's, well, I did minor stuff because at that time you were okay to do change um, um, crack switches and stuff like that. Um, but that was that was literally my life all the time, seven days a week. Um, so I was literally working like that all the time. Now, so if, if, if for anybody out there, and then you had to feel to the fact that, well, I'm not getting the rent coming in, and you had people that just didn't know what to do on that occasion. So you'd have to sit down with them, and then you'd have to go through all the process about, this is what you've got to do here, this is what you've got to do there. And to be honest, I ended up having to do it for them. I used to just say, look, sign that document. It says, I can deal with things on your behalf. I'll then hand it into the right authorities. They'll say, yep, that's okay. Jim can represent you. And then I would just represent them and make sure they had all the right forms filled in. Just sign there. This is this is what you're signing, by the way. Go through all with them with a fine-tooth comb. This is what you're signing. Put it in front of the, the right parties. And they would go, yep, bot text, money released. Um, as, and that's literally what I did for 20 years. Um, uh, you know, as well as family. Yeah, aye, aye. As well as my full-time job, as well as everything else, as well as a family. Um, and and so for for a landlord, that sounds really nice being hands-on. I'd rather be a bloody investor, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> An investor is like, by the way, Charlotte, by the way, Richard, what's happening with this property? Give me an answer. Yeah. Easy as that. One person, two people to go to. I'm not dealing with all these tenants. No damn way, the ins and outs. I'd love to. I love to know about their lives. I love to know what they do. I love to help them on their journey. But but that's just no an economic use of my time because I'm needed elsewhere. And potentially for other people, it's like, well, you know, I would rather spend time with my family. Uh, there's a lot yeah. of people out there who'd rather spend time with their family. They're happy just for the capital appreciation and a bit of income and a reasonable return rather than actually going full pelt and maximising everything and getting the best return for the whole lot and keeping it all to themselves. But as I go back to saying again, we'll come back to saying about this, you know, you've got to work at the economic terms about if you can earn 50 quid an hour, why the hell are you not paying somebody 20 quid an hour to do it? That makes, that makes absolute sense to me because you have no time. I had no time. I'll be honest, Richard, this is the, one of the reasons that the Lettons division is here because I could not find anybody I went to Martin Co., couldn't get them to do it right. I went to the original owner of the five properties, couldn't get him to do it right. I went to another letting agent, couldn't get them to do it right. I went to another agent, couldn't get them to do it right. They just couldn't do what I wanted them to do because I knew the system and I understood it completely. So hence the reason why we, when I, when I built five properties, when I yeah. took over, I then, I then did it in the way I wanted it in order to, because I understood the whole dynamic process of that. And what it was to a landlord and the stress and the strain it is to a landlord um, and the whole process. So that's why we run our system like mm -hmm. we run it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think uh, there is there is uh, certain ways of doing things that um, give back time and, and make us more efficient. Um, and you have passed a lot of that down. And I think a lot of our landlords um, and tenants in homes that we manage obviously tell us that obviously and the, the way we do inspections and things um, are all valuable parts of the service. Um, and inspections for tenants is, is the peace of mind of regular checkups and offering a welcome comfort that keeps them happy and makes them stay longer, which ultimately is what you want is longevity of tenancies. Um, our visits provide opportunities for careful management improvements 
and they keep their investments performing well, and that's the most important thing. I'm sure you'll agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Did you mention the word investment? Yeah. Is that, is that my cue? <laughs> it would be, yeah. <laughs> so here it is. Here's, um, here's a classic example. This is the one we talked about, about Memorial Road. Yeah. So you you see in this scenario, I bought it for thirty eight thousand. As I yeah. said, I spent a wee bit of money on refurbing it. Um, I, I, you know, so I spent about uh, in all, I spent about round about twelve thousand. So thirty, twelve, forty, um, forty, fifty. So fifty. So then I get a new valuation of seventy five thousand on it. I then take out a buy to let mortgage at twenty five percent loan to value. I get fifty six thousand out. Wait a minute, I only put fifty in. Yeah. So getting fifty six thousand out, so I'm getting six grand cash back, and I'm not got any money in the deal now. So technically, it's an infinite return. But in this scenario, if you did buy one at seventy five thousand, um, you would be that. And three three point five is actually the um, limit company rate. You're you're getting buy to let mortgage out there at one point five. Um, if it's in your own name. Yeah, I was just going to say if you do them in your own name, that we've done successive shows on that, and we can talk about that individually for people. You said four seven five for that rent. So yeah. if you're 12 months occupancy there, you're sitting at, um, after the after the mortgage is paid, interest only, by the way, because um, you always want to do interest only. There's, that's another subject entirely. And if you want to talk about interest only in capital, please feel free to message us today. So you're mm -hmm. coming out with £307 cash every single month after the mortgage is paid. Now, in that scenario, see this gross yield here, 7.6. That's the total rent divided by the total purchase price. That's if you bought cash. But because yeah. you're getting the bank's money and you're borrowing 75% at 3.5%, you're leveraging your position up to 20% return on with the same money. Yeah. Because you're putting less money in now and you're getting money out and you're using the bank's money. So that is now the gross rent minus the mortgage divided by the deposit you've got in. Make sense? Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's why it's now a 20%. Because then releasing that 56000 there and you've got 23,000 here, that allows you to do that another two times with the mm -hmm. same money. Because if you've got 75,000, you've got 56,000 back out, you can put that 23,000, do the same scenario again twice. So not only would that then be a 20% gross, uh, gross uh, yield with a mortgage, and you've leveraged your sale up as a result, that will be three times as much now. So instead of just making, you know, with twenty three thousand in, if you've got seventy five thousand, you'll be making a net profit of round about just under six thousand pound a year off the three properties. Plus yeah. the fact that the three properties are going up in value. So net profit annual return of eight point three percent net. Um, that's assuming thirty percent overheads, fifteen for managing and fifteen for any incidentals that happen. But if that fifteen doesn't happen and it's only twenty, then your net margin goes up by ten point seven percent. Yeah. So classic example, so the dynamics and that, and then you've got the capital appreciation over the years. Now, property prices are going to go up 20% um, uh, predicted in the next four years. So when you think about that as well, if you've got 225,000, just because you've only got 71,000 in, which is the initial capital you had, the purchase price of the properties is 225. So if they went up 20% um, in the next four years, then you're making 20% of the 225. You're not making 20% of the 71 that you've got in. Yeah. You're making of the two two five, so therefore you're going up forty thousand. So you've earned forty thousand over the next four years. So you're in a, another ten grand on top of the just under six grand you've got here, in the capital appreciation. So effectively, for seventy five thousand investment, 
you're probably earning £16,000 a year of £75,000 money. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's a good return, eh? Yeah, that's a good return. Yeah, definitely. I would have that any day, but I have that already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just got to say, well, that's yours. That's your... And we teach other people to do that, though, don't we? Yeah. That's the key. Yeah, definitely. And we've so, overrun uh, our time. I was just going to say, you've overrun a wee bit. But, uh, but no, that's a good insight on the on the, the, the figure side. Yeah. And it is really a numbers game. And you need to understand that to make uh, to make your buy-to-let business profitable. So, yeah. But yeah, thanks for that, Jim. Worry, Richard, I'll trim the video and send it back <laughs> over to you. I'm just going to wrap up by saying, obviously, um, with the right marketing and presentation, um, conscious pricing and an active uh, care regime, you'll draw in the very best tenants and the highest possible rents you also future proof the value of your buy to let so you can leverage your uh, equity and continually expand your portfolio and that is what it's all about um so yeah final thoughts for you guys um for me if like if anybody's struggling with if you've got an connected property or anything like that and you you need renovation works done but you don't have a lot of money to spend on it come speak to us we've got a host of people that's able to help um, and we know about all the grants and everything. So if anybody's ever struggling, just give us a call. Um, you know, we're always there to help if you need it. Definitely. Jim. For me, it's all about maximising the asset and maximising the return. Uh, and I know that, you know, that that that's the business I'm in. Um, but but it's also we're dealing with people. So yeah. um, my uh, and we have a duty of care as, as well as investors and as landlords. So yeah, for me, I would say that yeah you can make a real good amount of money out of this business and a good return out of this business in terms of and it is a business buy to let and an investment property investment and um, you can make a good return out of it but you have to understand what you need to do in order to make a good return it's not just a case of putting somebody into a property and hoping for the best and just saying i will charge you rent every month and that's the end of our relationship is you've got to make sure you've got something in place to look after that person throughout that process and provide them with a good real good standard of accommodation as a result of what you're doing that to me is a landlord a private mm-hmm. landlord not your slum landlords that are very few and far between it account for 0.004% of the total landlord market because we know that because shelter put these numbers out and then when the yeah. very Latham calculated that and said well you're actually talking about a sample population and if you put that in a sample uh, situation then it's actually 0.004 percent in the landlord market so shelter exists to, to protect tenants from 0.004 percent of the landlord market what a real good use of money eh? yeah They'll never build a house in their life and that's me getting <laughs> political yeah it's too late in the show to get on that box as a result Right, okay, that's great. Well, thanks very much for all the insights today and everybody listening uh, just now, we're obviously on the on the, the reruns. Please uh, feel free to contact us. Any information you would like to discuss, anything, uh, and if you have a property that's uh, ready for letting on the market, please speak to us or myself, obviously. Um, and thanks very much for joining me this morning, guys. That was great. Thank you very much. Um, thanks very much. That was, a, okay. that was a wonderful show. Loved it. Great article. Um, yeah. And keep on writing them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. Right. Speak to you later. Bye. Okay. See you later, guys. Thanks for watching.